Praise the Lord, Pineview. Praise the Lord. And all of you on Facebook Live. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, first of all, for who you are, a revealer of secrets. Help us, Lord, to grasp a hold of more of who you are, uh, get closer to you, get in your face, that we would receive revelation tonight and be influenced and impacted the rest of our lives. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, tonight we are going to explore some of the names of God. Uh, today, my daughter Rachel came over to the house and she had a present for me, the sweatshirt. And I feel like this is just a confirmation from the Lord that I am doing the right thing. And then earlier this week, Dr. Donahoe had a uh, tic-tac thing he wanted me to see, tic-tac or whatever you call those things, he wanted me to see. And it was an apostolic preacher talking about the name of Jesus Christ. So with all that happening, I really feel uh, like this is God's will. And you know, out of all the things that I have ever experienced, it's the name of Jesus Christ that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt God has given me and talked to me. And so I am glad that I am here tonight ready to talk to you about what's in a name. And Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? In Old Testament times, children's names express the parent's reaction to the birth of their child. Or sometimes it was to communicate God's message or to establish an affiliation with God. And then there were those whose names were changed to indicate a new beginning. And that change took place because they had gotten themselves in the face of God and saw something that they had never seen before about his character. And their name was changed, like Abram to Abraham, Jacob to Israel, Simon to Peter, Saul to Paul, all because of what I believe to be a revelation of who the Lord was. The scripture says in the New Testament in 1 John, when we see him, we will be like him. I think we have an opportunity to take a hold of sitting down in a place and finding the Lord in our prayer life and getting a change right then and there. Um, the biblical term, in biblical terms, personal names have a meaning, for they usually describe some aspect of a person's character. So it is with God's name. The Bible reveals him under different names, each given for a purpose, to set forth some distinct virtue or characteristic of his nature. Throughout the Old Testament, we find a set of names given to the Lord that we refer to as compound names. El Rohai, the God who sees me. El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. Yahweh Rapha, or Jehovah Rapha, Lord who heals. Yahweh Jireh, Lord who provides. Yahweh Shammah, Lord is there. Yahweh Nissi, the Lord our banner. Yahweh Raha, the Lord my shepherd. Yahweh Shalom, the Lord my peace. Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Yahweh Hasanu, the Lord my maker. And there's other ones like Yahweh Zidkanu, the Lord my righteousness. Yahweh Mekadesh, the Lord that sanctifies. And a bunch more. And again, different names, each for a purpose, 
to set forth some distinct virtue or characteristic of his nature. Uh, did you know that there are several Hebrew words, along with Chaldean and Arabic words, in the Old Testament that are translated into the word God? In many of our Bibles, King James Version, primarily I'm speaking of, but most of the Bibles that there are some Bibles out there with the actual names or some of the names written, uh, but there's very few of them. And the same is true with the word Lord. Each again describes something about God's character. Here are seven words. Ah. Here are seven words that are in the Old Testament that are translated into the English word God. L, general designation of deity, strength, and mighty. Number two, Elah. It's an Aramaic term general term for God equivalent to Eloah and this is probably where the uh, Islamic community gets Allah from. Eloha, Hebrew name for God, Elohim, plural of majesty, some of powers displayed by God. Number five, tisser, tisser, cliff, rock, refuge. Now all these also have Lord behind them but I didn't want to keep typing so Lord is also part of each one of these definitions. And then number six, Yahweh, the eternal, self-existent, and Yehoiv, the variation of Yahweh. So El is found 232 times in the scripture, while Ella and Eloha are 78 and 56 times respectfully. Many of these are translated into something other than God in certain areas of scripture, like strong, or mighty, or rock. And then there, are, but when it comes to the word Elohim, it is almost exclusively translated God, G-O-D. And it is found 2,247 times. Number six and seven are usually found using the word Lord, but in rare occasions, it uses the word God. Here are 12 words that are in the Old Testament that are translated into the English, English word Lord. Number one, Adon, to rule, master, owner, Lord. Adonai, the Lord. Baal, master, husband, Lord. Yah, a contradiction, a contraction of Yahweh. And then number five, YHWH, Yahweh, self-existent, eternal. Number six, Karin, peer, Lord. Number seven, Rud, dominion, rule. Be Lord. Shalosh, general, great Lord. Number nine, Chaldean word, captain, chief, and Lord. Number ten, Rabarin, Ben, Chaldean again, Prince and Lord. Number 11, Mayor, Domineer, Lord. 12, Sar, Head, Chief, Governor, Lord. Okay, Adon, 287 times, Adonai, 423 times, Baal, 81 times, Yah, 45 times. Number 6 through 12, under 20 times. And again, not always translating into the word Lord. Master, chief, ruler, husband, except for number five, which is almost exclusively translated Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And it is found 5,524 times in the scripture. So Jesus and the disciples experienced the terms Y-H-W-H, Yahweh or Jehovah, and Elohim, plurality of majesty, more, much more, 
than all the other terms for Lord and God. These terms that meant eternal self-existent and the sum of all powers are everything. Some of you may have seen YHVH instead of YHWH if you studied this. And I'm not entirely sure how that came about. I have read elsewhere that it may have come from the Latin's transliteration of the Hebrew script into English versus the English translation from or the Hebrew, Hebrew script right into English. So here we have the Hebrew name for God is written as the, in the Hebrew script. This name is commonly referred to as the Tetragrammation. The pronunciation of this name is not certain, and there are different theories about how it should be pronounced. The most common pronunciations are Yahweh and Jehovah. The spelling YHWH is used in the Hebrew Bible to represent the name of God. The spelling YHVH is a variation of the same word and is also used in some contexts. In summary, both Yahweh and Jehovah are considered valid renderings of the Hebrew name for God. However, the exact pronunciation of the name is still a matter of debate among scholars. So, you can see at the top here how YHWH and Yahweh correspond, and how YHVH and Jehovah correspond, how they get those two. And so, no matter what, you're, what you call him, Jehovah, Yahweh, YHWH, YHVH, the self-existent, uh, you're talking about that same being that's they're all different terms, terminology, describing this, this entity. And remember, when reading the Bible, King James Version, and some of the other translations, but not all, if it's in capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and capital G, capital O, capital D, most undoubtedly, it's YHWH. It's Yahweh, Jehovah, the self-existent. God makes Moses to go to work for him. God asks Moses to go work for him. And Moses struggles with that and says, well, what if Israel will ask, what is his name? What is God's name? What shall I say unto them? And Elohim said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And Elam said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The self-existent Elohim of your fathers, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever. This is my memorial unto all generations. <laughs> So first of all, Elohim explains, I am that I am. I am strong, tower, I am a refuge, I am a fountain, I am the first, I am the last, I am that I am. Number two, then he identifies himself as existing outside of time. I am. I exist. Period. <laughs> and then number three, he puts them together. The Lord, God. YHWH, Elohim. The eternal self-existent, your everything. Plurality of majesty. The I am. The I am that I am. The Lord, God of your fathers. Now let's take a closer look at Elohim. 
Exodus 7 and 1. And Yahweh said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a Elohim to Pharaoh. Again, Elohim is the plural of majesty. It expresses the fullness of mights or powers. It's plural of eminence. It's the sum of powers displayed by God. If you have a Schofield Bible, in his margin, he proposes it's the plurality of persons. However, most scholars agree that Schofield was wrong. And if, if Schofield was right, we would have more than one Moses here. But what is happening here? Moses has come to Egypt demanding Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go and worship their one God, while the Egyptians worship over 35 gods. Several for the sun, some for the Nile, for harvest, for children. They worship serpents, frogs, insects. The list goes on. Like I said, over 35 different gods. Moses says, let them go. Pharaoh says, no. So Moses throws down his rod and it turns into a serpent. Pharaoh's magicians throw down their rods. They turn into a serpent. And Moses' rod eats up their rods. And he picks it back up and it becomes a rod again. And no more rods for the magician. And still Pharaoh says, no, I won't let him go. So the Nile River is turned to blood. A couple of days pass. No, I won't let them go. Then frogs. Then lice. Then flies. Then livestock. Boils, hail, locusts, darkness. And finally, the firstborn die in Egypt. So every time Moses comes to Pharaoh and Pharaoh refuses, a new problem occurs, a new trial for Egypt. And Egypt starts calling on their gods, their particular gods that are over that realm. Different ones from the last trial. And of course, every god is defeated in the figurative arena with Moses. And so Moses looks like he is superior to all their gods. He is an Elohim to Pharaoh in Egypt. The sum of all power. An Elohim that is Stronger than their serpent god, the Nile god, the sun gods, all of them. The scripture tells us plainly that the Lord judged Egypt's gods. In Exodus 12 and 12 it says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the self-existent, the eternal. Numbers 33 and 4. For the Egyptians buried all their firstborn, which the self-existent had smitten among them. Upon their gods also Yahweh executed judgments. So you can see how that the Lord came against Egypt's gods through Moses. So Elohim is the plural of majesty. When you look now at Genesis chapter 1, which uses the term Elohim, and Elohim said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 6, and Elohim said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And Elohim said, let the waters, and it was so. And Elohim, Elohim said, and it was. Elohim said, and it was. And on and on it went. Elohim is a God over all things. Unlike 
the Egyptian gods. Ra was just one of Egypt's sun gods, whereas Elohim was Israel's sun god and more. He did it all. He created everything. Throughout the scripture, you will find the use of these different terms described, describing the Lord God. In Psalms 110, verse 1, this is a really good example. The Lord, this is Yahweh, Jehovah, YHWH, YHVH, the self-existent one, said unto my Lord, this is Adam, sit thou on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. And of course, you know that's a messianic prophecy. So the self-existent eternal says to the one who will to rule, sit thou on my right hand. God is speaking to the man, Christ Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus is both God and man? Both spirit and flesh? Both creator and created. God does not need to pray, but our example did. God does not have to submit, but our example, our way, our light did for our benefit. God cannot die, yet Jesus died for all of us. Now remember, in the King James Version, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, versus the next one, capital L, lowercase o-r-d. That's the difference if you've got a King James Bible or some of the other translations do it too, but some of them don't. Isaiah 40, 3 and 9. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of Yahweh. Make straight in the desert a highway for our Elohim. Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your Elohim. This, of course, is a prophecy of John the Baptist crying in the wilderness, Repent! Preparing for Jesus. But wait. He said, Prepare ye the way of YHWH the self-existent eternal. Make straight a highway for our Elohim, plurality of all power. Prepare for the eternal self-existent highway for the sum of all powers. Malachi 3 and 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom ye seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith Yahweh of hosts. Now, this is to Israel. And again, this is a prophecy about John the Baptist. Yahweh calls John my messenger who will prepare the way for me. The eternal, the self-existent. For it's he who's talking. The last part of that verse, saith the Lord of hosts. And the ruler, the king, the promised Messiah that Israel delights in, and is waiting for, will come to his temple. And incidentally, he's the messenger of the new covenant, the New Testament, that brought, was brought to us because of his death. So you see how these terms are used in the Old Testament to help us understand. So it's, it's really a good thing if you look closely at Lord and God when you're studying the Word.
Lord our God is in our King James Version of the Bible 116 times. Lord my God is in it 79 times. Lord God 1045 times. Lord thy God 274 times. So most of the time it had to be Yahweh Elohim. Eternal, self-existent, are everything. Remember the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Yahweh, self-existent, eternal, is found 5,524 times. And Elohim, the plural of majesty and power, is found 2,247 times. So the Lord is describing himself over and over again as the eternal, self-existent, our everything. Isaiah 43, 11 and 12. I, even I, am Yahweh, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved, I have showed, when there was no strange God among you, Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith Yahweh, that I am El. I am your strength, your might, your power. And that term is used 232 times, and again, not always translating God. It could be strength or other things. So less than 232 times God is used for that. Isaiah 44 and 6. Thus saith Yahweh, king, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Yahweh of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no Elohim. I am the King of Israel, I am also Israel's Redeemer. The King of Israel and Israel's Redeemer is what that is saying. Plus the Lord of hosts and the first and the last. No Elohim beside me. Isaiah 44 and 8, Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told you from that, that time, and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there an Eloah beside me? Yea, there is no tisser, tisser. I know not any. So Eloah, the Hebrew name for God, 56 times. Tisser, tisser, rock, refuge, under 20 times, and not all of it is always translated God. Isaiah 45, 5 through 7. <laughs> I am Yahweh, and there is none else. There is no Elohim beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. Verse 6. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am Yahweh. And there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the self-existent, do all these things. He is the creator and there is none else. Hosea 13.4 Yet I am the self-existent, the Elohim, thy Elohim from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no Elohim but me, for there is no Savior beside me. Elohim is the Savior, and there is none else. Isaiah 44, 24. Thus saith Yahweh, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am Yahweh that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself, alone, by myself. Ezekiel 38, 22, and 23. 
And I will plead against him, him with great hailstones, fire, brimstone. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the self-existent eternal. Why does the Lord many times address himself as the Holy One of Israel? Isaiah 43 and 3, For I am Yahweh, or Yahweh, thy Elohim, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Verse 14, Thus saith Yahweh, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Verse 15, I am Yahweh, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. So God seems to care that we comprehend that the self-existent is all by himself. Our Savior, our Redeemer, our Creator, and our King. We are talking about his character, his name. Isaiah 42 and 8 and 48 and 11 I am Yahweh, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. 48 and 11, for mine own sake, even for mine own sake, will I do it, for how should my name be polluted, and I will not give my glory to another. God declares in another place that he is a jealous God, and uh, you who are married, has your spouse ever complimented somebody else when you actually were the one that deserved the compliment? Be a rough pill to swallow. <laughs> My glory will I not give to another, the Lord says. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh, our Elohim, is one Yahweh. And thou shalt love the self-existent, thy Elohim, with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Jesus, in Mark 12, 29, tells a man, this is the greatest commandment of all, and the second is like it, loving one's neighbor. He quotes this very scripture. He explains that we need to do this. Just, as he, our way, our truth, our life, is doing it. Our example, our light. This is Deuteronomy's version of the first commandment. Then we have Exodus' version of the first commandment. Exodus 22 and 3. I am Yahweh, thy Elohim which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, thou shalt have no other Elohim before me. God wants to be first in our life. He does not want to share the first place with anything. Now we got to know him in order for him to be first. Do you know him? If you don't, Get in a prayer closet. Begin to seek his face. And he'll reveal himself to you. Exodus 7, 1 again. And Yahweh said unto Moses, See, I have made thee an Elohim to Pharaoh. The Lord, this YHWH, the self-existent eternal, our Elohim, our everything, which was manifested through Moses to all the world's gods, wants the glory. So, what about the Son? Colossians 1 and 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. The Bible teaches that God dwells in the Son that Jesus' body was the temple, the house of the living God. 
In the Old Testament, there was first a tent so that God could dwell among his people. And then David come along and actually Solomon in Israel made the temple so that God could live amongst his people. I believe it was prophetic. If you can see that, if you can understand what I'm trying to say. 2 Corinthians 5 and 19, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So here, again, God was in Christ. He told David, I'm going to make you an house. And David thought, oh, Solomon, oh. he's going to build a house. But we also know Jesus, the son of David, said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. <laughs> and we know because of his death, we were allowed the Holy Ghost to come into our life and we became a temple like he was a temple our way, our example. I feel the Holy Ghost. We are sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. First John. <laughs> then the angel says, you're going to have a baby, Mary. And Mary asked, how can this be? I don't know a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son. This is where the Son comes from. One needs a father to make a son. In order for something to be begotten, there needs to be a begetter. This was the Lord's house. The Lord lived in it. Now, not a tent or a temple, but a body he has prepared. I don't know if you refer, know what scripture I'm referring to, but it's there. A body has, he has prepared. Okay, 1 John 1 and 14. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten, whose glory was beheld as the Son. Yahweh Elohim. We just read that Yahweh, the eternal, self-existent, would not give his glory to another. Let's go back up to verse 1 of the first chapter of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. When John wrote this, there was no New Testament. The disciples and John were reading the Torah and the Psalms and the Prophets. The Old Testament, if you will. And when he said, in the beginning, he was looking at Genesis chapter 1. Where God said, let there be light, firmament, dry land and water, seed, lights in the heavens, fish and birds, animals and man. And it was. The Greek word 
for the word word is logos. Strong's defines, defines it as something said, including the thought. So God, Elohim, expressed words. But John also knew that God said, what God said now existed. So Logos meant more than just God said or God thought. It's what came about. It was. God said, let there be light, and there was light. So when you look at this from that perspective, in the beginning was the Word. He's looking at, in the beginning, Genesis was the Word. The first chapter of Genesis. You see that? And the Word was with God. God was cap capable of expressing, of, of speaking, of uttering, and causing it to be. The Word was God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. God has always had this ability to speak into existence. All things, all things, everybody say, all things, all, all things. things were made by him. And without him was nothing made that was made. Verse 3. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Skipping down to verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. All things were made by him, without him nothing. The word was made flesh, what made the flesh? The word. And we can find all kinds of prophetic word expressing Jesus in our Old Testament. He would be of a seed of a woman through Abraham, through David, born of a virgin. And Bethlehem Ephrathah, the loving little among thousands of Jews, yet out of thee shall he come forth, whose goings forth have been from old. And on and on and on and on. All kinds of prophetic utterances and what did we just read? Luke 1 and 35. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. God moved over the waters and said, let there be. God moved over Mary, over her waters, and there was birth. There was something growing in her womb because of it. So we have a father, the word, that spoke all things into existence. And we have a son, a creation of that word. And we have the Holy Ghost. And we beheld the glory of the creator and the thing he created, the Holy Ghost being God's spirit. God is a spirit. Therefore, also that holy thing, which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. The Son of God, not God the Son. He is never called God the Son in the Scriptures. That is a made-up term, a made-up phrase, along with Trinity, Triune, three persons, three in one. And it confuses people. I don't know why people use it. In 1 John 5 and 7, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. It does not say these three are in one,
but many times it's quoted as these three are in one. These three are one. The verse does not say the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It says the Father, the maker of all things. The Word that was in the beginning with the Father. Not the Word made flesh, the Word. Before verse 14 of John. And the Holy Ghost that was in the beginning with God. God being, God is a spirit, God, God's spirit. And they are one. Am I different from my words? Is there a Father in heaven who has words and thoughts? A Son in heaven who has words and thoughts? A Spirit in heaven who has words and thoughts? And they're all talking to one another. Or is the Father who is a Spirit with thought and the ability to express into existence who is capable of seeing the results and they are one. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Jesus in the New Testament is the same word as Joshua in the Old Testament. And it meant Jehovah Savior. The self-existent one has become our Savior. The Creator became one of the created, the only begotten, and walked among us. And we beheld His glory as the Son, full of grace and truth. The Lord God demanded blood and the Lord God came in flesh and gave it all for us to express, I love you this much. I'll go this far for your soul. When we were sinners, when we were the ones that nailed him to the cross, because it's our sins that put him there. Every one of us. And he's expressing I love you this much. Wow. <laughs> and if you will grasp this, he has all the bases covered. The infield, the outfield, and outside the park. If you don't mind me speaking in baseball terms. And if the devil were allowed to get a hit, Jesus is there to catch it. The Bible, King James Version, describes Jesus like this. In 1 Timothy, it says he is the blessed and only potentate. At the same time, he is the king, not a king, the king of kings and lord of lords. The lord of lords. Number three. It says he's a ruler in the Old Testament. In one of the Gospels, governor. And Isaiah says he's the crown of glory. So the crown sitting on the ruler's head. In Numbers and Genesis says he's the scepter between the feet of the ruler. That rod that the king would pull out. Isaiah says he's the prince of peace. While Paul writes to Ephesus and says he is our peace. Isaiah goes on to say he's our counselor. And Luke, the physician, writes of a man by the name of Simeon who's waiting to behold the consolation of Israel. And the Lord isn't all just the executive part of the government, the government that will rest upon his shoulders, Isaiah 9 and 7, I believe that is. But he's also the judicial and legislative. He's the judge. He's the lawgiver. He's the very law itself, the word of God. He's in the courtroom, the attorneys, the advocate and the mediator. He is the faithful witness. He is the fellow who wants to come in there and get a will and testament written. 
the testator. He is the will and testament. He is the inheritance that the will and testament, besides the will and testament. <coughs> he's not just all of that in the courtroom, but he's also the one who's making sure everything is carried out properly. He's the captain of the host. He's the righteousness over the captain's <coughs> chest, and he's the truth that he's girt with, and he's the good news that's on his feet, and he's the salvation that's on his head. He's the sword and the shield. He's the banner that's flapping over his head. He's the ensign on the banner. These are all words found in the King James Version of the Bible describing our God. And he's not just in the courtroom, he's also out in the field. He's the sower, the husbandman, the vine dresser, the seed, the branch, the vine, the root. He's the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness, of Malachi, that rises with healing in his wings, that shines down on all this stuff. And the former and the latter rain in the rivers of living water, that's the stream flows next to the tree of righteousness, whose leaves have a property of healing, who is Jesus, and fruit, who is Jesus. For God is love, the peace of the Lord. And he's not all, only all that, but he's also the shepherd of the sheep. In John chapter 10, it declares that the shepherd comes to the door, and he's the door. And the porter opens the door. Revelation says he's the porter, for he stands at the door knocking, and whoever his voice can enter in. Well, he's also one of the lambs, for he's the lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. And the judge held his peace. And the advocate and the mediator and the faithful witness all shut their mouth. And he was brought in before them and condemned. And he's a nail in a sure place that hung to the tree. He's the axe that chopped the tree down. Our God is our everything. You are complete in Him. In other words, just like Israel in the Old Testament, you don't need anything else. I'm all you need. I'm all the God that you need. Your Yahweh Elohim, your eternal self-existent, everything you need who has become your sacrifice. Do you feel like praising him? He is a wonderful God that loves us and has done so much for us. God bless you. That's it for tonight. And I hope you have a wonderful evening.